Greetings, my fellow educators. My name is Brian. I'm a classroom teacher. I've been in the classroom for two decades, and I've seen a lot. I've learned a lot. And a subject that is very relevant, unfortunately, even today, is the subject of child abuse. Now, I know child abuse is not something we like to discuss, and often we as teachers, we hear this information at the start of the year when we have ton of responsibilities and a lot on our plate, and we haven't really gotten to know our students. Now as we approach the halfway mark of the school year, and now that we know our students, the podcast addresses this topic and invites special guests from Darkness to Light. It's an organization dedicated to helping those children who suffer from sexual abuse. And I know some of you in our audience might be thinking, why are we talking about this dark topic? It's the holidays. We're getting ready to go on winter break here. It's such a happy time of the year. And for us, generally, it is a happy time of the year. Year. But for the, some of the students we may be servicing, going home and being away from school may not be something that they're looking forward to. It's not an easy subject to talk about, but as I said earlier, it is a necessary one. And joining us is Cindy McElhaney, Director of Programs for Darkness to Light, and Dr. Lyndon Havilland, a board member on Darkness to Light. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. What's really going on out there in the world of sexual child abuse in today's child? So the reality is child sex abuse is one of the last real remaining stigmas in our country. No one wants to admit the rates of child sex abuse. No one wants to talk about the fact that one in 10 children will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday, and that 90% of the abusers are known to the children. We still want to talk about child sex abuse as something like stranger danger, and the idea that we could train children to know their bodies and know their boundaries, and that children can prevent child sex abuse, we feel is impossible. We feel very strongly that preventing child sex abuse is an adult responsibility, and although we'd love to talk to children about their bodies, we'd like to talk to adults about their responsibility in creating a society where no child is sexually abused. And the reality is that when we tell children to tell someone when they're made uncomfortable, we often are isolating children even more because it is actually the people that they should be able to trust the most family members, coaches, perhaps their parish priest, a teacher, a babysitter, a member of the extended family. Those are the most common abusers of children. And so when we tell children that they should be able to prevent this on their own, we are often causing children embarrassment, confusion, and shame. All right, so we know it's beyond the creepy guy in a trench coat on the playground offering candy to the little kids. It's very often people that the child knows. What else is some misconceptions or misunderstandings about child abuse, sexual child abuse in particular? Well, one of the, one of the issues is that I think when we say child sexual abuse, I think most people think of it as some form of penetration. What we really want people to understand is the issue of child sex abuse includes a whole range of activities of grooming, of isolating a child from their positions of safety and trust, and then it goes on to a series of behaviors that include penetration. We also want to talk a little bit about another dark subject, which is it's popular now or interesting to people to talk about human trafficking, yet 90% of the people who are human trafficked were first sexually abused as children, 
another dark, horrible thing to say is we often think that it is only men who are sexual abusers, but women are also sexual perpetrators. So it is not just a simple problem. The other issue, which is also dark, is that child sex abuse does not discriminate. It happens in every community across the country. It happens in every socioeconomic class. And the other thing that happens is denial in all places. We'd really like to be able to say it wouldn't happen in my family, on my street, in my community, but it happens. And because we are unwilling to talk about child sex abuse, we allow perpetrators to flourish. You mentioned about denial and how a lot of people have a hard time just admitting that this could happen to this type of family or to this particular child. What happens if that denial goes on and nothing is ever done? If they do not get treatment and support, they can have a wide range of health and social issues as they grow older, including cardiovascular disease, obesity, stress, an inability to form trusting relationships. They often have a much higher rate of alcohol and other substance abuse. As I mentioned, they're much more at risk for human trafficking and other sexual problems. So because we fail to talk about these things as children and as family members and as members of society, all of that denial becomes wrapped up in a package that is bad for the health and the well-being of children, families, communities, and the nation. The other really important thing that I want to say is that most children who are being sexually abused attempt to tell an adult. They try. Sometimes they lack the language. And if an adult does not understand what the child is saying, it's another opportunity for the child to be shut down, to be isolated, and feel deeply ashamed because they reached out to someone they thought would care and thought would intervene and nothing happened. So it's, again, a reason why we want all adults to be aware, to be able to recognize the signs, to be able to react responsibly, to be able to have challenging conversations with their friends and colleagues and families and know how to report abuse when they see it. What are some things we want to keep in mind as this interaction happens? Children will communicate things in a wide variety of ways and and many times not in a very direct way. And so kids will give you a little piece of what happened or they'll tell someone that it happened to someone else and they see how you react. And so many times a disclosure starts with some fairly innocuous statements or questions and they're testing you to see how you react. It's very hard for a child to communicate and articulate what's happening to them. And and that comes back to many children try to tell an adult, but also it is true that many children just never tell an adult. They don't disclose, they don't know how to, or they've been threatened or they're afraid. And therefore, again, back to adult responsibility, it's about being sure that as adults, we can recognize the signs in children. Give us some scenarios that we as teachers might face. The first scenario is the child has to disclose something to you, but they're showing signs. They've started acting out and that's different for that child or they're perhaps more withdrawn than usual or their grades are falling. There's something that seems to be going on with that child. You know, I think a teacher could say, you know, Johnny, I've noticed that you seem really sad lately. 
Is something bothering you? Is there anything you want to talk about? You know, a teacher's not going into that conversation assuming the child's being sexually abused, and most of the time it's probably not sexual abuse, but it's an opportunity to, for that teacher to make themselves a safe adult for that child. And if there is something bothering them, to be able for that child to be able to ha have a helpful, caring adult who's willing to listen to them. So the second situation is where the child actually discloses that something is happening, that they are being abused. One of the first and most important things you can say is, I believe you, and what happened is not your fault. So those are some kind of keywords. Thank you for telling me. I know that took a lot of courage. Right there in the moment, the teacher can just affirm the child in a way, I believe you can be one of the most powerful things that a child can hear in that moment. And then the next thing is really to just listen, right? Because you don't want to ask leading questions. You just want the child to feel comfortable in telling what happened. And so, you know, teachers can use questions like, tell me more about that or what happened next? And just let the child tell their story, right? And then the next most important thing is to make a report. And teachers in this country in most states are mandated reporters which means that if they see or suspect abuse or have received a disclosure, they need to make a report to law enforcement or Child Protective Services. So that those are some of the key ways that the teachers should respond. And in most states, there's an immediacy to that. You must report within 24 hours. And if you don't do that, teachers can be in violation of the law, lose their licenses, and more. Ladies, what can be done if, let's say, a student has come to us and doesn't want us to do anything or tell anybody? That's a common thing is that the child will begin by saying, I've got something to tell you, but you got to promise not to tell anyone. And as teachers and caring adults, we can't make that promise. We have to say, look, this is against the law what this person is doing. This shouldn't be happening to you, and this is not your fault. We're going to need to bring in some folks who can help us work through this, and I'm going to be here for you as we do that. And so it's just really being able to help the child understand some steps have to be taken and that you're going to be there to, to support them. And I think that's the most important thing is that they know they'll have support. And what Cindy's saying that is very important that I want to emphasize is this idea that we can't say we'll make sure that that person never touches you again or they'll never see you again. Because if you go back to our statistic that 90% of the abusers are known to the child and you're telling the child that they will never see their father again because the father is the abuser, it sets a very mixed message and confuses the child even further. So this idea of intentional listening, of just getting the facts and saying, I will be here with you, and I believe you, and this is not your fault, but not going any further. And then, of course, as a teacher, what you're trying to do is identify the support systems necessary for the child. The school needs to provide a mental health care professional, and there are places where you just need to help bring in the resources. You're not meant to solve all the problems. Your job is to report it and to be a safe, supportive, and present adult for the child who discloses. We're kind of taught in our day and age, if you come across a suspicious backpack sitting in, in an airport terminal, you're taught to just, if you see something, say something, just report it, right? Your job is to not open up the bag, look what's inside. If it is a bomb, to dismantle it. That's not your job, right? Your job is to report it. It's a terrible analogy that we have to use in our day and age, but it, I think it does speak to the fact that when you're a caring adult, you know, looking after a child and they just tell you something 
so unbelievably terrible and just horrible. You don't have to solve it in that moment. You don't have to figure out how you're going to get through this. You just need to help and support that child. And there are experts and professionals who this, that's what they'll do. They'll come in and they'll deal with the offender and they'll deal with the non-offending caregiver and they'll deal with getting the child the help that they need. Luckily, in this country, we have a system that works to provide all of those services in these types of cases. And what I hope is that teachers find comfort in that. You don't have to confront a parent. You don't have to figure out exactly what's going to happen next. You know, you just need to know where to go to make the report and ask for help and that people will be there to provide it. And teachers are such an important part of this process. Children are with their teachers so many hours of the day. 60% of the reports of child sex abuse come out of interactions with the educational system. Teachers are an essential part of preventing child sex abuse or responding appropriately. So we, Governor's Delight, are always delighted when we see a state take on a mandate to educate all teachers and all people within the educational system. The crossing guard, the bus driver, the teacher's aide, the cafeteria worker, all of those people see children every day and they see them for hours and hours. So as Cindy mentioned, when children have a radical change in their behavior, they seem more withdrawn, perhaps their hygiene starts to be lacking, perhaps they start to kind of shy away from physical contact, there are signs that should provoke a caring adult to just check in to make sure everything's okay and to signal that you're paying attention. I want to piggyback on the top, top of what Lyndon said. We're just so happy when teachers and states and, you know, teachers take the training. And I really feel for teachers because there's so many demands being placed on teachers' time and so many training requirements. And they just want to be in the classroom with their kids, teaching kids. That's what they do. And, of course, they want to protect their kids. There's a scary thing out there called child sexual abuse. And what teachers tell us after they take the training, I mean, they come in, obviously, oh, i got to take another training. But, you know, they leave saying, I think there might be a child in, in my class that's experiencing this. I know what to do now. Or I've been teaching for 20 years, and I've seen this in kids. And I've always wondered how to, how best to handle this. It's really still a dark and scary subject, and it is still not dealt with, how it needs to be dealt with in this country, it is little by little coming out of the shadows. And with more and more cases in the media, I think people are recognizing, hey, I should get educated on this because, one, we need to protect our children from this happening in the first place. But second of all, what if it's happening? What do I do? How do I respond? And so I think for teachers, the training can be extremely powerful. So cliche what we say about knowledge being power, but it really is. It's like once you have that knowledge, you say, now I know what to do if I'm ever in this situation. As we come to the end of our program, tell me more about the Darkness to Light organization that you ladies are a part of. Light was founded about 15 years ago to talk about the fact that no one is willing to talk about child sex abuse and this idea that survivors have a story to tell and their story is a story that teaches us what we need to know to create a safe society for children and for everyone. And then what we began to say is, as you know, in behavior change, the first thing you do is you educate the public about the extent of the problem. The second thing you do is you change their attitudes. 
because people would say to us, oh, this is as old as time immemorial. And we said, no, this is able to be changed and it must be changed. So we educate, change attitudes. And then what we needed to do was to develop a tool that told people what to do. Because when we have a conversation with someone, people say, make it simple. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to do and make it a little less scary. And I'm willing to do that. So Darkness to Light has, over the last 15 years, developed a training program which is available online on our website called Stewards of Children. And we tried to break it down into very simple steps to get educated, recognize the signs, minimize opportunities, be willing to listen and react responsibly. And we have developed this tool with the hope that we can be a part of a national movement to make child sex abuse a thing of the past. So our impact is beyond the million trained, but we really want to be a part of a national movement that says we don't need to see another scandal in the newspaper. What we need to see is a national action plan and a society that says every child has the right to grow up free from child sex abuse and every right to have a happy and healthy childhood. I know for myself personally, I took the darkness to light training a couple of months ago, earlier in the year, and really found it powerful. It really opened my eyes to the damage of child sexual abuse and how that damage can carry on well past childhood and and techniques that I can do as an educator to make a difference. Uh, Prevention programs, more about the issue of child sexual abuse can be found at Darkness to Light's homepage at d2l.org. And I definitely want to thank Darkness to Light's representatives on our program today, internationally respected public health expert and board member, Dr. Lyndon Haviland and Sidney McElhaney, the director of programs for Darkness to Light. The ladies, thank you so much for your time and all that you're doing to help children. Brian, what we want to say is thank you. Thank you because we know that you have a great following. We hope that anyone who's interested in Darkness to Light and learning more about stewards of children will join the movement and take stewards of children training online because we know that it is an adult responsibility to prevent child sex abuse and we can't do it alone. So we're hoping that people all across the country listening in today will join us. And I hope you will join Darkness to Light at www.d2l.org. I highly recommend them. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon.